Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone, welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 273 of the world's most dangerous podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. With me this week is the guru of RedsMinorLeagues.com and RedLegNation.com, Doug Gray. How are you today, Doug? I'm doing great, Chad. How are you? Oh, wow. Doing great. See, because, you know, I get Jason on here and he's usually like, I'm doing okay. But sometimes he'll say splendid or some kind of, you know, ridiculous no. thing. But, but but have you had have you had Jason on after the Reds just swept the Astros? I have not. I'm, that's I a good mean, point. That, that really does kind of, you know, bring <laughs> bring the level up just a little bit. So It really is. Isn't it funny how this team, you know, we, we're always constantly talking about, you know, it's a long season. You know, don't make too much of... Uh, big small trends, you know, wins and losses day to day. And uh, last week we kind of joked around the Reds are in fourth place, yeah. And then they dropped back to a tie for last place again. And now they're back in fourth because they literally just swept the team that I think is the best team in baseball, the team that I predicted would win the World Series this year, the Houston Astros. And that's you know, if you can't feel good about that, you know, why are you even following baseball? That's that's a perfect question. Uh, I, I don't know. I. So I I watched baseball to to enjoy baseball, and that was fun baseball. It really was, and it was kind of a, a reversal of what we've seen uh, all year long with the Reds getting some breaks and the Reds uh, winning the close games and just a you know great pitching. That's that's a common theme of the whole season. But man, that was where did that team come from? You know, how did that happen? Right and the Reds had just been on a little bit of a skid, and when they dropped back into a tie for last place, and now all of a sudden they look like uh, you know. I guess that's baseball, right? That is, that's why they play 162. Um, so you're telling me that this team isn't what its record says it is? I mean, I didn't say that specifically, but yeah, I feel like you could infer that from what I was saying. Yeah. Well, anyway, it was fun. It was a good, uh, a good week in that sense. And the Reds are now, I think, about four and a half games out of a playoff spot. Is that? Am I, am I wrong about that? No, that you you are absolutely correct. They're they're five and a half back in the division and. Four and a half back out of the last wild card spot. Wow, what a time to be alive! So, are you, let me let me ask you this, and then we'll move on. Am I hearing you correctly that you are guaranteeing the Reds are going to make the playoffs? No. <laughs> no. Oh, no. I must have misunderstood I, what you just said. I, I don't have that kind of power, and if I did have those powers, I'm sorry, Reds and Reds fans. I use them for way bigger things than sports. <laughs> Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. So let's talk about the news of the week. And uh, obviously the big news for the Reds is they, that they swept the Houston Astros at home and uh, go into a series here, I guess a four-game set with Milwaukee. Right? Am I right about that? You are. All right. I thought that's <laughs> – yeah, boy, I'm, I tell you what. Come to me for all your Reds analysis. We are very prepared <laughs> on this year podcast. I can't remember what I looked at one hour ago about uh, tonight's matchups. Um Today there's a tweet from John Morosi, and Morosi, of course, is a uh, he's with MLB Network, Fox Sports. I mean, he's uh, he's a baseball writer, has been around, fairly well respected, and uh, he had a tweet today. This this is what uh, passes for reporting these days. It used to be it was on the front page of the paper. Today it's a tweet. The Reds, who rank third in Major League Baseball in Team ERA, hold on, I, I, I want to read that again. The Reds, who rank third in Major League Baseball in Team ERA. Doug, we've been following the Reds for a long time, you and I. 
and I can think of one pitching staff in my lifetime that, uh, you know, uh, would match up with the results we've gotten so far anyway. And that's that, uh, you know, the Cueto, Latos, Arroyo, uh, Volquez, and who am I forgetting? Homer Bailey. Homer Bailey. How that, could you forget Homer Bailey? Oh, right. That was a good starting rotation, but third in the league in ERA? Yes. That's, that's good. Pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, the Reds have the ingredients for a second-half run at a playoff spot, as one NL Central Observer said to me this week. The Reds' front office is open to adding a controllable hitter at the deadline, source says. So, uh, a couple things to unpack there. First of all, second-half run at a playoff spot. Now you're talking. And sure, they're not that far away right now. You know They're going to have to play better than they've played, um, at least a little bit better, but... Uh, that's obvious, but what, what do you think about this uh, this line? The Reds' front office is open to adding a controllable hitter at the deadline, source says. I mean, first off, uh, of course they are. Obviously. What, what, why would they not be open to adding a controllable player at the deadline? Like, I get it if you're not open to adding somebody who's going to be a free agent in two months. Uh, that, that That makes sense. Or it doesn't, depending on where you're at. But you should always be open to adding players that are controllable long term, right? Yeah, that's what, that's what I say. That first part of that, which is that the Reds' front office is open to adding a controllable hitter. Don't even add the at the deadline. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, they're open to adding a controllable hitter, I would have to say. so. Yeah, I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I, I like this Reds team, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they could get better in quite a few different areas. I can think of three areas right now that I'd be really eager to look for uh, for help. And, and those areas are obviously right field. Although I know we've got Yasiel Puig, and he's probably going to be better than he's been. But he's, you know, he's a, a short time here. If you can get that word controllable is the key. If you can get a guy that's going to be around, I think you got to look at that. Obviously, catcher and shortstop are uh, two other areas where I think you could immediately upgrade um, if you can find the right guy. That, yeah, that, and that I, I mean, I, I'd toss in second base slash center field because since Nick Senzel can play both of them. If one of them is open, why not? I mean, I feel like Derek Dietrich, I mean, for all that he's done and as good as he's been, he's a platoon player, but he's also a guy you can play second base, left field, right field in a pinch. He's a guy you can move around a little bit. I I don't think that the Reds view him as a necessarily long-term answer. Uh, So I I wouldn't let him stop you from grabbing somebody who's controllable if, say, a center fielder or second baseman does happen to be available and it's somebody that you feel like you could add because Nick can play both of those positions, so you can just slide him to one or the other if you need to. It's a great point. It is a great point. Second base and or uh, center field, you got to be uh, – all the options are available to you. So that's, that's five of the eight positions, essentially, that you you know that you could theoretically upgrade offensively. And not that we – I don't think Yasiel Puy is going to be fine the rest of the year. Not that I don't think Dietrich and or Scooter Jeanette can handle second base the rest of the way. I mean, they can. They could be the – you know, they could be – Serious uh, players on a team that can still contend. But uh, the Reds have to be looking to ways to improve this team going forward. And so, uh, you know, I don't think this is necessarily news. A lot of people on Twitter took it to be news. You know, oh, wow, the Reds are the Reds are going to be buyers at the deadline. You know, we got a, a viewer mail question about that later. We'll get into that a little bit. But uh, to me, it just says, well, okay, so the Reds front office is not dumb, <laughs> you know. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yes, they're, they're, they're doing their job. 
Exactly. So, but I do think that that's a that's a place that you could look to uh, to add someone. And you had an interesting proposal earlier this week about someone the Reds uh, need to at least make a phone call about. Yeah, I mean, Clint Frazier was with the Yankees for the first half of this season. He's a 24-year-old outfielder. You know, he's he's played center in the minor leagues. They've been playing him in the corners in New York. Uh, he's been a well-above-average hitter this year. And, I mean, he's a former top 50, top 100 prospect. Uh, but the Yankees don't have room for him right now, getting back Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton. So they sent him to AAA. Um, when, you know, that happened, <laughs> Clint Frazier wasn't exactly thrilled about the idea. Um, and there's there's kind of been some backlash, um, you know, in, in the New York media now, whether the Yankees front office is paying any attention to that or not. It, I, I have no idea. I don't have any insight into their organization. But, I mean, I, I feel like he's a guy that, you know, the Reds should at least be making a phone call for. Um, you know, while the Reds have some outfield prospects in the minor leagues, you've got Taylor Trammell, Jose Siri uh, this year, you know, Aristides Aquino is killing the ball down in Triple A. Uh, Clint Frazier has proven it. I mean, he's proven at least in a half season it, that he can be a well above average major league hitter. And it's not like he isn't a guy who, I mean, realistically can match up with any of the guy's prospect statuses. Uh, he's just not a prospect anymore because he's played in the major leagues too long. Uh, he, he's a, a realistically high value guy. Yeah. Um, now, whether the Reds can make that kind of deal or not, I do not know. But you you should probably be calling because you have an open spot in the outfield moving forward. Um, whether that's, you know, in July because you fall out of it and you, you want to trade Yasiel Puig. Or even it's just next year because Yasiel Puig's a free agent and you have an opening. Yeah, I think uh, Clint Frazier is precisely the type of player the Reds need to be looking to. And it's going to be difficult to get guys like that at the trade deadline. And so here's one that, you know, maybe has been squeezed out a little bit in New York and uh, could be a legitimate part of uh, some team's future. He's a legitimate big leaguer. Uh, It's kind of the way I felt when the Reds signed Derek Dietrich and Jose Iglesias to minor league deals before the season. It's crazy because these are legitimate big leaguers. Here's a guy that's a legitimate big leaguer that's been sent to AAA uh, because of the roster shenanigans that are going on up there in Gotham. So, yeah, so uh, what do you think, trade uh, Tanner Roark for him straight up? <laughs> hey, if, if the Yankees are willing to do that, I will drive Tanner Roark to the airport or directly to New York if they want me to. I'll do it. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I, again, you don't know what they are uh, looking for, but uh, I think the Reds have to at least kick the tires on a potential deal there. So interesting. Uh, you know, people are constantly asking well, who, who you know? Who do you think they can go after? And there's really impossible to answer that. Yeah, there's there's 500 different answers for that question. Yeah, you know, so I don't know that we can say anything more. That's just one that jumps to mind. And but, but the fact of the matter is, I bet there's a number of teams that have already inquired, including the Reds probably, about Clint Frazier, just to see what uh, what it would take to move him. And uh, and you got to think the Yankees would be open to to, to moving him. Uh, if, you know, under these circumstances, they can add something else that's going to help their big league team. Um, I would not be surprised to see him traded at some point soon. We'll see. It, either way, uh, the Reds getting better at the deadline is a good idea. Yeah, I, I, I'm always in favor of the Reds improving their Major League roster. Yes, yes. Please, Reds, improve the Major League roster. Although, the Major League roster, they've got just swept the Houston Astros. Yeah. Well, can we talk about that just a little bit more? How awesome was that? <laughs> that was incredible. Hey, you know whose birthday was this week? 
Who's that? Luis Alberto Bonilla. Yeah, I, I heard something about that being a national holiday in some country in the Middle East. <laughs> it should uh, be a national holiday in the country of Chad. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, Joey Votto. You know Joey Votto? I, I've heard of him. Refresh me a little bit. He plays first base for the Reds. Mm, okay. Is he, is he any good? Um, He used to be. He used to be? Okay. Yeah, he sucks now. Oh. No, um, not true at all. He's fantastic. Oh. We love him, and he's uh, starting to look more like the Joey Votto we wanted. But uh, why don't you go ahead and uh, tell me how Joey Votto and Albert Pujols are linked? Well, they're both future Hall of Fame first basemen. True. Yeah. Uh, they both have played large parts of their career in the National League Central Division. Yes, National League Central stars. Uh, and apparently this rumor came out quite a while ago, um, but... It seems that, you know, today it came out again, and I guess a second source, and I guess at this point confirmation from someone with the Reds that it actually did happen, rather than the denial we got seven years ago. Uh, It seems that the Cincinnati Reds tried to sign Albert Pujols, and they were the second highest bidders on Albert Pujols when he was a free agent before the 2012 season. What? Yeah. Um Bob Nightingale came out with that today for the USA Today newspaper. Uh, if people still read newspapers, I'm not sure. But, yeah, apparently the Reds offered Pujols 10 years, $225 million, and that was the second best offer he got before deciding to go with the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim of California. Exactly. Uh, wow. So yeah, i got to tell you, you know, listen, when Albert Pujols was doing his thing for the Cardinals, he was the bane of my existence. I mean, it seemed like every time he turned around, he was hitting the ball hard somewhere against the Reds. That guy destroyed the Reds. I don't know what the numbers look like. I just know in my memory, in big moments, you couldn't get the guy out. Well, I thought, to be fair, Chad, I feel like he did that to every team in baseball uh, right. while he was with St. Louis. <laughs> he is pretty good. Oh, he was all world. I mean, he really was. I mean, he was, there was probably a seven-year stretch where he was as good, he was, you know, inner circle Hall of Fame good. I mean, people just kind of forget how great he was because he's fallen off as he's aged, as as people do. But that being said, to me, you're choosing Albert Pujols over Joe, and at age whatever he was then, 30, 31? He his first year in LA, he was 32. There you go. Alleg- allegedly, right? There, there, there have long been those rumors that he's always been older than he claimed to be. But so 30, 32 year old Albert Pujols versus coming into his prime Joey Votto. I mean, that's essentially what it would have been. They would be. They would not have had the money to sign Votto, and Votto would have walked or been traded. Correct. I don't like that. I I don't either. I I don't really understand it at the time. It's not like. It was rookie year Joey Votto where, you know, he was really good, but not great. We're talking about Joey Votto who had already had an MVP season under his belt and was coming off of a season where he had a 947 OPS, had 40 doubles, 110 RBIs, led the league in on-base percentage again. I I mean. (sighs) Maybe this is, you know, it's Walt Jockety's uh, regime. So uh, maybe it's the former former Cardinal bias. But I don't know how you look at Joey Votto at that point in his career and Albert Pujols in that point in his career while all, while conceding that Albert Pujols was a, a much better player than Joey Votto up to that point. Yeah, I mean, if you look at just a full body of work. Uh, I don't know how you look at those two and think that 
anything other than Votto is by, has by far the biggest chance of being the better player going forward. I mean, I, that makes no sense to me. Yeah, I mean, the, the previous two seasons, Joey Votto was better, un, undoubtedly better than Albert Pujols was. Right. And yeah. he, was, he was younger. Yeah. I don't see I don't, that's uh, I guess maybe we're lucky that uh, the Angels offered more. I, that's kind of I'm uh, I'm speechless, really. It makes no sense. I mean, I've always kind of had this thing where I feel like the Cardinals do have some of that devil magic. Um, yeah. They 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 try and screw things up, but somehow it works out for them. Yeah. I mean, they they tried to sign Albert Pujols and somebody else outbid them. They tried to sign Jason Hayward to a $200 million contract, and he chose to go somewhere else for less money. Right. And both of those would have turned out just disastrously for them, but they somehow lucked out of it, and things just continue to work for them. And it just it's just that Cardinal Devil magic. Yeah, that stupid franchise has a way of dodging bolts that just irritates me. So. Yeah. Well, we've got a bunch of viewer mail questions that we've got a lot of different areas we're going to get into. But before we do that, Doug, uh, you have released, I think, your – Latest updated top twenty-five prospect list. Now that uh, we've got the uh, the draft over with, and teams of all the teams have begun play in the minor leagues, and so you've uh, I guess you've updated. I I did, and usually I wait until about you know the first week of July when all the all the draft picks get signed. But the Reds are really quick this year. Uh, they got everybody pretty much signed up right away, and so I, I've released it a little bit early this year. And I, there's some good news and there's some bad news. Now. The good news is, hey, everybody signed, and um, for the most part, everybody's healthy. We've we've got Hunter Green on the injured list with Tommy John surgery, but we had we we kind of knew that he was rehabbing, I guess, over the winter. So we weren't really sure how things were going to work out, anyways. Uh, now on the bad side, nobody's really kind of taken that step forward that you want to see from your farm system. Um, I mean, there's there's a few guys that really have all the hitters that have. They're guys that are in AAA playing with the insane baseball, and everybody's hitting that ball. So you don't really know exactly what's real and what's not. Um, pitching wise, I mean, I don't I don't think there's anybody in the system that's taken a step forward who isn't maybe a a fringe, you know, back end of the rotation kind of guy. And so the farm system itself has taken a I'd say a, a fairly big hit between just the lack of production of your top end guys plus the graduation of Nick Senzel from the prospect list. Which gives us a new number one at the top, right? It does. And depending on where you look, I, I mean, everybody has Taylor Trammell as the number one guy in the system right now. He's number one on my list. Uh, now, Fangraphs, they, they updated their top 100 list, um, ooh, let's see, a uh, little more than a week ago. They actually have Taylor Trammell rated as the number six prospect in all of baseball. Wow. Which I I I love me Taylor Trammell. I, I think he's got a, a fine future ahead of him. That just feels way too much right now. Uh, I mean, he, he's really struggled for the last year plus. He's getting on base, uh, but he's not uh, he's not hitting the ball real hard, is he? He's not. He's slugging 340 over the last year. Um, that's barely higher than what I'm slugging over the last year. I mean, that's, that's Billy Hamilton's slugging percentage. Oh, Billy. And you remember Taylor, Billy? T- Taylor Trammell's 6'2", 220 pounds. I'm trying to talk about Billy. Yeah. I don't, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Why is he not hitting home runs or uh, at least doubles? Uh, that, that, that's the question. And I, I don't really have a good answer for that. 
Um, it, it's not like he's turned into a guy who's hitting the ball on the ground a lot. His his fly ball rate is actually up a little bit this year. Um, I, I I just don't. He's just not making good contact. Huh. And that, that's I mean there, there's there's a little bit of a concern there. Um, now I, I don't punish him too much because I, I have seen the power from Taylor Tamell in the past. I don't think that it's a, a long term issue. Um, but the, the fact of the matter is he's slugging 340 over the last year. And I, I think that whether we like that or not, you know, that that's got to have his stock down a little bit. Um, but you know, let, guy- let me say he's he's walking a lot still. He's getting on base. He's showing a lot of the things that have gotten people excited, but that that sort of uh, element of it has disappeared in some sense. Yeah. And, and let, let me say this. I, I've been a guy who said time and time again that I think that Taylor Trammell can play center field because I value the ability to catch the ball way more than I do the ability to throw the ball, particularly for an outfielder. Um, and the, the knock on Taylor Trammell has always been that he doesn't have a strong arm and that might limit him to left field rather than center field. Uh, but the Reds haven't played him in center field in one game this season. And so that, that kind of tells me that at least if he's going to remain in the red system, center field's probably going to be off the table. Um, I, I don't grade my prospects based on how the Reds will use them because other teams could trade for them with different ideas and that changes their value versus their value to the Reds. Uh, and so I don't ever look at it that way. But uh, if you're looking at it from just the Reds' perspective, I, I think that you would probably ding, you know, ding his, his value a little bit more because of that too. So you still got Hunter Green at number two. I do. I'm I'm a believer in Hunter Green, sure, even coming back you? from Tommy John surgery. I mean, the the yeah. upside is just too high. Mm-hmm. If he were a guy who you know were you know 92 to 95 miles per hour and just an okay slider, uh, not off the charts athleticism, yeah, he probably would have dropped a lot more than he did. But that's not who Hunter Green is. Um, I I think that uh, until there's you know, verifi- verifiable evidence that he's not going to be the same guy that he was before he got hurt. Uh, I'm just basically pushing back his timeline a year, a year and a half from what I thought it was going to be before he got hurt. Yeah, he's still impossibly young and uh, still has all the promise. I I agree. I'm, I'm with you on that one. Uh, we're not going to run through this whole list, but there's a couple that I do want to just talk, talk about before we get into some viewer mail. Um, and that's uh, Nick Lodolo. Is, are we, have we figured out that we're pronouncing that correctly? Uh, we are. Um yeah, he's actually making his professional debut tonight in uh, Billings, Montana. So I'm, I'm a little surprised that they sent him to Billings. I have a uh, question I, I, about that. Okay, well, go ahead. The floor is yours. <laughs> Why did they send him to rookie ball? Well, I, I'm honestly surprised by it. Um, but I also think that this is one of those things where you, you want to have those relationships with your franchises. Um, and the Reds have been with Billings since, I believe, 1974. And... Even just one appearance from a guy who's a first-round pick, somebody who's expected to be, right or wrong, a future major league player of of note, giving them the opportunity next year, two years down the road, five years down the road, ten years down the road, to market that that guy was a Billings Mustang, to make bobbleheads, to make merchandise, to even one day bring this guy back and say, hey, you know, this guy was here with us. That That's important to these minor league franchises um, because that's, that's a big marketing opportunity that unlike, you know, some of these, uh, you know, like between innings acts they have to bring in, they don't cost them that kind of money to be able to do that. And so just giving them that little, that little breadcrumb of, Hey, we're going to send this guy here for, you know, two weeks, three weeks, whatever it was. 
that that's really important to these guys, okay. especially in rookie ball where you can realistically make the argument that they're too good to play here. We're skipping them over you. Okay, if that's what it is, and I have serious questions about it, that it's a you know a PR type thing. I just I know we disagree about the the way the Reds push guys through the system, um, and uh, I, you know I I think they start these college guys out far too low most of the time. And just this week I was writing a piece about Alex Wood, and um, so I went back to look at what happened with him, and he was drafted just kind of like Lodolo, a pitcher. A left-handed pitcher drafted out of a really good college conference. It's a Big 12 for Lodolo. It was uh, the SEC for uh, Alex Wood. And, you know, he starts in uh, in A-ball immediately. Goes to A-ball. And then the, uh, his next season, 2013 was that season, he started in double-A and was pushed to triple-A by the end of the year. Now, a lot, of that, a lot of that was dictated by his performance. I mean, frankly, he was great in A-ball, and uh, he was great all the way up. Uh, until he got to the majors, where he was still pretty great in the majors. And I wish he would hurry and come back to the Reds. Uh, that's a piece of news we didn't mention earlier. He threw off through to some hitters to, this week. Um, so anyway, I just, I'm like, I, you got a guy that is to supposedly the best uh, pitcher available in this draft, for whatever that's worth. And I just don't see why you're not trying to get that guy to the big leagues as quickly as possible. Maybe they are. But sending him to rookie ball uh, makes me think otherwise. Now, if if they keep him there for more than three starts, I'll kind of be scratching my head. I, I really do believe that he's there for one or two starts, and then he's going to move up to Dayton. I, that That's what I truly believe, uh, and I will be surprised if that is not the case. Well, if that's the case, then I'll eat my words. But as for now, um, that's a data point in, the, in my column. Uh, who else do you want to talk about uh, quickly, just to run through here? Tyler Stevenson that you have in the top ten still? How about we just highlight one more guy? Jose Garcia, shortstop. I got him at number eight. He's the one guy that I feel has taken a a really big step forward this year. Uh, Last year, he really struggled in Dayton. Um, He was a a big Cuban international signing for the Reds. Uh, They gave him, um, I I believe it was $5 million to sign right before the international signing period was over. they really liked what they saw in spring training last year, and they let that change their plan of action with him. And you know, when when they signed him, they didn't quite think he was ready for Dayton. But then he had a really good spring training, and they sent him Dayton, and he struggled all year. Now, from what everything I saw last year, he looked so much better to the eye than the numbers said he was. When I talked to scouts, they pretty much said the exact same thing. Well, this year, the the eye test, it's it's there. But the stats are starting to get better, too. Um, uh, he's a guy that I, I think um, realistically could be the, you know, I guess it was two years ago. The Reds spent all this money in the international signing period. They blew past their allotment. It cost them basically the ability to sign anybody of note over the last two years. Um, they also signed two other Cubans that year. They ended up spending nearly $30 million uh, after signing bonuses and penalties paid. And I, I think that you know, Jose Garcia is the guy from that group that could really be the difference maker and make it all kind of worth it. Um, he, he's an above-average defensive shortstop, and I, I really do think the offensive tools are there. There's still some development, but he's just 21 years old. Uh, the power's really starting to show up now, so is some of the hitting ability. Um, he, he's, he's the guy I'd say keep an eye on for the, for the second half of this year and kind of really see what he gets going. 
And he also, uh, one of my colleagues was uh, down in Daytona this week, and uh, and uh, he gave uh, Jose Garcia gave uh, his this kid's guy's daughter uh, an autographed baseball, and was really nice to her. So he seems to be a good guy from all the personal contact that uh, from anyone that I know, the one person who's actually met him. So he was really nice. Well, there we go. That's something. That's something. Is that going to be enough to bump him up on your list next time you update it? Uh, probably not because oh, I already okay. knew he was a nice guy. So There you go. Last one is uh, just briefly a red second-round pick, Reese Hines. Uh, slotted him in. Didn't quite make the top ten. Uh, he did not. I, I just he, – he's considered a bit raw coming out of high school. I just want, I just want to see more of it in, you know, in play against professionals and see what happens. Yeah, it's all projection with him uh, in a lot of ways. He's got all that power, but we'll just have to see. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm making my trip to Greenville next week, so I can't wait to see it in person. Outstanding. I look forward to not seeing you in Greenville next week. <laughs> I feel like that's kind of a backhanded compliment. No, wait a minute. Um, okay, anyway, so go to redsminorleagues.com. Uh, click on the link there, and you can check out uh, Doug's updated top 25. Uh, briefly, back to Alex Wood. Uh, pitched two live hitters and was evidently extremely excited about how he felt and how it went, and uh, we may be on the verge of a... Rehab assignment. That's good, right? Uh, that is good. Alex Wood is a very good pitcher. And, yeah, as I said earlier, I, I always approve of the Reds trying to make the Major League team better. And getting him back would absolutely do that. Now, what about this uh, Scooter Jeanette thing? He's out on a rehab assignment, and he plays a game, and then they sit him down for two straight days. It's because he's hurt again, isn't it? It is not. Um, he's, he's rehabbing with Daytona. And this past offseason, they installed a field turf infield. Yeah, well, I guess and outfield. So they don't have grass. So when it does get wet, it's, I mean, it, it drains well. It doesn't puddle or pool or anything, but it's a different kind of wet than wet grass. Um, your, your spikes don't exactly stick into it like they do in grass. And the Reds just didn't want to take any chances. And so they sat him down for two days. Uh, he's in the lineup today. Uh, Daytona is on the road. They're playing... I don't know who they're playing, but they're playing on real grass field. And so he's back in the lineup and ready to go. Nah, the Reds are lying to us. He's He had a setback. He's hurt again. Oh, that would suck. Yeah, I don't even want to say that. I'm afraid I might speak that into existence because let's get him healthy. There's, there's a history of that? Well, all right. Uh, um, I'm sorry, Chad. Yeah. I'm sorry. Scooter Jeanette, hurry back. Seriously, I mean, the Reds could use his bat. I don't know how they're going to work out uh, playing time. It's going to be interesting to watch what David Bell does there, but I think his bat certainly can help a, an offense that continues to be not as productive as we had hoped they would be. Hey, you want to answer some viewer mail questions? I am ready to do this. I've been looking forward to this since the last time I was on the podcast. Outstanding. As always, these are actual letters from actual viewers. You can send uh, questions to us uh, two ways. One way is by sending them to us at our Patreon account, patreon.com slash redlegradio. If you're a patron, if you support the site uh, through Patreon, you can get uh, a little bit of a, a bump up in the line to get your questions answered. That's one way. I want to thank Tyler Doyle. Tyler Doyle this week uh, became a, our latest supporter at the podcast. Tyler Doyle. What do you think about that name, Tyler Doyle? That kind of sounds like a baseball name too, doesn't it? It it does. I there's been plenty of Tylers and plenty of Doyles in baseball. Yeah, but so. what, what position do you think? I, you know, Tyler Doyle, I'm going to say it sounds kind of like it's either a catcher or like a really slick fielding shortstop. See, I was thinking starting pitcher. Ah, starting pitcher. Yeah, I could see that. Yes. Maybe a, probably a lefty, though, with that name. 
I don't know. Tyler, let us know. I want to know if you're left-handed or right-handed. <laughs> Either way, Tyler. Tyler Doyle, thank you very much for supporting Red Leg Nation Radio. So let's get to, to some of these questions. The first comes from, should have known, Doug, that this is who the first one would come from, your buddy, Philip Razor. Oh, of course it did. Good old Philip. And, you know, it's sort of on Philip's brand. He's going to go away from uh, Red's question here, which we encourage you to do. Ask, you can ask us questions about anything. It doesn't necessarily have to be strictly about the Cincinnati Reds or baseball. And Philip asks, how many times are you going to see Toy Story 4 this weekend? I'm going to go with a zero. Yeah, probably zero. I, I will eventually see it, but it'll probably be when it comes out on demand. There's a chance There's a chance that we will see it in the theater. I, I don't know. We're uh, going to be taking a vacation here soon, and it'll still be in the theaters. And so, uh, you know, my kids loved all their early ones from their younger days, and they're getting a little older, and I think they're probably going to want to see this one as well. So we'll take them. But the answer this weekend, probably zero. Possibly once, but probably zero. But 100% that you and I think we'll both see it eventually, right? Yes. It just may be a little bit longer for me. <laughs> <laughs> Joseph Prince asks at uh, patreon.com slash redlegradio, which pending free agent do the Reds have the best chance of re-signing? I mean, I'd have to go with Alex Wood if they're interested. Just, well, let me take that back. If they really wanted to, Scooter Jeanette, because I feel like he's expressed that he wants to stay. Um, but I, I don't know if the Reds are all that interested, given that he's been talking about wanting to sign an extension for the last two years, and, well, here we are. Yeah, you know, I think the way that uh, Joseph worded that question, the answer is Scooter Jeanette. Which which pending free, pending free agent of the Reds have the best chance of re-signing? Alex Wood, I'm, you know, I made the case in my piece at Cincinnati Magazine uh, recently that the Reds should really look into uh, extending his contract. See if there's a possibility. I don't know. I don't know what Alec Wood's thinking. I don't know what the Reds are thinking. I, you know, the injury stuff is a real thing you got to consider. But it seems like maybe things could be, and this may be just me uh, wishful thinking, but things could be kind of coalescing around a, a, an opportunity to sign him to an extension because of, number one, he has been a little bit injured. He's is he going to want to take a chance on the free agent market, given that those circumstances? And also, the free agent market has been crazy. Who knows what it's going to do? If he if he's presented with a deal kind of like Sonny Gray's extension, you know, does he balk at it? Does he uh, say, well, you know what, three guaranteed years, pretty good money, a team that's up and coming, maybe uh, maybe I do that. Yeah, that that's kind of where I was coming from too. And then the scooter net thing hit me, and I was like, oh yeah, well I guess that makes a little bit more sense. But yeah, I, I just think that with I mean, basically how you laid it out. I mean, do you want to test the free agent market coming off of an injury-plagued season? I don't know, especially if somebody is willing to give you guaranteed money. It's got to be one of those two guys, right? Yeah, I would think so. You know, I mean, um, Jason Linden's been, uh, you know, constantly beating the drum about signing Puig, and I'm okay with that. I just I don't see Yasiel Puig re-signing with the Reds until he's had a chance to explore the free agent market. That's just And that's just me speculating. I don't have any knowledge about any of that. That's just in my brain, uh, what I think. So, um, I just think that the particularities of being a pitcher who is injured, injured right now. Um, and given the current free agent market, I, I you know, it just seems to me like Alex Wood, And I think that's a, a good risk for the Reds to take if they're satisfied on the, on the health side. And I think they should be, you know, he's had s several injuries, only one that really caused him to miss big time before this year. 
and they've all been sort of different places. He hasn't had a, you know, one recurring issue. So he's, you know, had some small things. I don't know. I like the idea. Andrew Scott Wills asks, just how bright is the future of the Reds offense with the likes of Winker, Senzel, Peraza, etc., coming up before our eyes? Just how bright is the future of the Reds offense? Well, I think, you know, you got to also add guys like Taylor Trammell uh, and uh, Tyler Stevenson, I think, is a, a, could be a huge piece to the, uh, the offense going forward. You know, I don't know. you got Suarez, who's going to be around for a while. So, yeah, you know, I feel like the Reds have some pieces in place, but they're clearly going to have to uh, going to have to add pieces here and there. But what won't they? Yeah, I, I I'm not negatively. I don't I don't know how to word this. I, I'm not down on the Reds' offense moving forward, but I'm not exactly thrilled about where it's at either. Um, I, I think that they're going to need to add parts to it. I'm not terribly confident that anybody on the farm system is going to come up and be. Uh, a, a difference maker out of the guys that are there right now, at least not immediately. And so, I mean, if, if I'm going to be looking towards, you know, 2020, 2021, I, I think that the Reds definitely need to look outside of the organization if they're going to really make a, a difference on offense. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Jose Peraza, I mean, even last year when he kind of broke out was still kind of just average ish. Right. Um, I mean, I, I like what Jesse Winker brings to the table. Um, you know, he's struggled a little bit this year, but he's coming around. I don't have any concerns about him moving forward. Uh, Nick Senzel is going to hit. Suarez, as you mentioned, is going to hit. Joey Votto, uh, I mean, he's he's going to provide value. I, I, I know some people are going to disagree with me, and that's okay. But I, I think that we've seen the best of Joey Votto. Uh, I don't think he's going to get back to where he was, but he's still, he's still a good hitter. Uh, and I think that he will be moving forward just – how good is kind of the question. Yeah. But you know, uh, in terms of difference makers coming up, you know, I don't know if there is that one big, huge bat, uh, middle of the lineup back coming up, but I'll, I, I do like Trammell. I do like uh, Stevenson. I do like, um, Jonathan India, you know, um, I think there's a chance, but they are going to have to go outside and get someone. I think Matt Sheary, Matt asks us, I'd like to see the Reds trade for a veteran hitter. Who is someone you think they could get for cheap? I personally would love to see Shinsu Chu, assuming they can't get a controllable hitter. My answer to that is, you let me know what you think. First of all, there's hundreds of answers to who the Reds could get, but I don't think the Reds need to be trading for some uh, veteran hitter who's not control. Because part of the question is, assuming they can't get a controllable hitter. You know, I don't know that I trade any kind of assets for another guy who's not controllable past this year. I don't see the, I don't see the benefit in that. Yeah. I mean, Shin Tzu, I just looked it up. He, he's controllable through next year. He makes $21 million next year though. Yeah. But he was um, so good when he was here. And, I love uh, that guy. Heck he's hitting better in Texas this year than he hit when he was in Cincinnati. That crazy. Um, but I mean, that's a lot of money for, I mean, I, that's $21 million is a lot of money for a Shin Tzu Chu who'll be 37 years old next year. Uh, he's, doesn't play center field anymore. I'm not not really sure he should have played center field when he was in Cincinnati, but right. uh, he's definitely not going to play center field in Cincinnati next year. Um, I just think that if, if you're going to commit that kind of money towards somebody, it, you can probably get it better on the free agent market. Um, yeah, I think if we're assuming that the Reds can't get a controllable hitter, I just uh, I don't I don't go looking for really anything. I don't think that means the Reds need to be uh, you know looking to sell necessarily, but they don't need to be looking to buy it. And there's another question about that in a moment. 
Ben Johnson asks us first, though, best Reds manager of all time after Sparky. Best Reds oh. manager of all time after Sparky. It's, it's clearly David Bell, right? I, I'm going to say not yet. Oh, okay. Well, there's a possibility. But there's an implication there that I'm saying that David <laughs> Bell's going to win multiple World Series. But, exactly. Yeah. Uh, you got an answer? I, I honestly don't. I, I think that there could be multiple answers. Um, and But, you know, I feel like one of us has written a book about some <laughs> historical Cincinnati Reds things, so I'll let that guy take the answer. The Big one. 50? Uh, yeah, you know, I think that the tendency is going to be to say, well, it's obviously Fred Hutchinson, who's the only other manager to have his number retired in Cincinnati. And Hutch was, a, you know, manager of those uh, ragamuffin 1961 Reds. Boy, there's a good chapter about that uh, team in the in the Big 50. Uh to me, the best manager that the Reds have had since, other than Sparky Anderson, and, and this, maybe I'm biased because this is a guy that actually got to work, to watch work, but I don't believe, you know, he doesn't have the results because he was run out of town pretty quickly. So the, the numbers not, don't necessarily agree with this, but Davey Johnson, who managed that 1995 team, is the best manager I've ever actually watched manage the Reds. Because uh, I didn't really get, I didn't get to watch Sparky, so... Uh, of the of the managers that I've seen, Davey Johnson was just he knew how to work the clubhouse and he really knew what he was doing uh, in terms of the in game management. I'm a huge Davey Johnson fan, so that's who, that's who I'm going to say. Davey Johnson, best Reds manager of all time after Sparky. Okay, I'll I'll, I'll accept that. All right, Rich Thompson has a two part question. Two parts. Do you think you can handle two parts of a, of a question? I'm not. I'm not promising anything, but I'll try. All right. This is the buyer seller uh, question, kind of. Um, question number one: As of today, Rich asks, the Reds are 34 and 38, sitting fourth place in the National League Central, five and a half games out of first place. Do you see the Reds going 10 and five over the next 15 games before the All Star break to get above 500 and potentially move into second or third place in the division? Yeah, I see that. That's what I dream about every night. I mean, I I hope for it, but I'm not. I'm I'm never expecting. 10 and 5. I mean, that's 667 winning percentage. That's, I mean, e- even in 15 games, that's a lot to ask. Yeah. 9 and 6, 8 and 7, maybe, you know, that's more. But either way, I, I'd be surprised if the Reds were above 500 by the All Star break, but it's not inconceivable. No, but, uh, you know, and it's not like the next 15 games are played against the Miami Marlins either. I mean, they're, they're, they're opening a four game stint tonight against the Milwaukee Brewers, who they're a pretty good baseball team. Yeah. So now, question number two is: if they are, if the Reds are still below five hundred at the All Star break, should the Reds become sellers? And let me just let me just answer this one real quick, and then I'll, you, you can weigh in. If the Reds are still below five hundred at the All Star break, should they become sellers? My answer is no. No matter what happens between now and July, they should not be considered sellers, as you think of the term sellers. Now, they should always be looking to move some of these guys, uh, like Puig or whatever, if they can get somebody that can help them going forward. But I think they need to try to win this year as well. I don't think they're going to be like a team, your typical last place, fourth place team that's looking to sell off everything and, you know, uh, get prospects back in return, quote unquote. Uh, so I, I don't, I object to the term sellers, I guess, in some sense. Uh, not that Rich is using it in, in the wrong way, but just in the way that uh, baseball fans in general sort of think of sellers at the deadline. I think even if they're above 500, they should be looking for places they can move Puig and uh, some of these guys, uh, Tanner Roark, if they can get somebody that's going to help them, you know, for the rest of this year and on into the future. So uh, I don't think they should ever become sellers. That's my opinion. Disagree with uh, me if you wish. 
I'll agree with you on this year. I, I think that there are times when you want to sell, um, when it makes more sense to sell. I don't think this year is one of those years. Oh, yeah, that's uh, what I, I just mean. I mean, this specific okay. Reds team should never become a seller. Yeah, there are certainly yeah. – they should have done it in, you know, what, 2013 or whatever. But, but yeah, 2014. So Yeah, I, I just think that, one, they owe, they owe it to the fans. I mean, they with what they've been through to basically – be like okay, well, we went for it and it didn't work. And don't get me wrong, I, I I do think that they they went for it. I don't think they went all in, but they 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 realistically this off season tried to make the moves to be a winning team this year. Unfortunately, it has not worked out to this point yet. Injuries have played a pretty big role in that. And then unfortunately, Yasiel Puig had a really really bad start to the season offensively, and that didn't help either. Um, but I, I think that we can all probably agree that they made moves to try and win this year. Yeah. Um, and I don't but, expect them to abandon that at the trade deadline just because they're, you know, a few games below 500. Right. And I also think that part of that is, you know, why they're not going to. Unfortunately, Yasiel Puig probably doesn't have much trade value at this point right. because of how he's played this year. Alex Wood has no trade value because he has not pitched this year. Uh, Tanner Roark, for as good as he's been, I feel that. His reputation is he's a number four, number five starter to a playoff team who, you know, they probably aren't going to use him as a starting pitcher in the playoffs. So his trade value probably isn't that high right now. So if you're going to have to trade these guys for a guy who's going to be, you know, the Reds 18th best prospect at the end of the year, is that really worth, you know, not having that guy around in August and September and winning actual ball games for you? I, I don't think so, and I don't think the Reds would think that either. Yeah, that, that's uh, that's my point. Uh, Roark, you know, could help a, a team. He really could. He's pitching very well this year, and we know what he is. He's been a pretty good pitcher over the course of his career. But who's going to give up anything of value for, you know, three months of Tanner Roark? Two months, really, of Tanner Roark, I guess, uh, plus the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, cra- crazy things happen. I mean, how did we get a Eugenio Suarez? True, true. If somebody's desperate. How, how, how did you? How did you get <laughs> Luis Castillo? Yeah. I mean, crazy things do happen, but in in a normal scenario, I I, I think that we all pretty much think that you know Tanner Roark, while he's that guy that could probably help get you to the playoffs, he's probably not going to be a guy you're going to overpay for to you know bolster your starting rotation. For the playoffs. Yeah, the, the marginal value he provides to this franchise by being on the roster the rest of the season is very likely worth more to the franchise uh, and, and, term to, and to the bottom line than anything he could you could acquire for him in trade. So I just, I don't see, I don't, uh, part of that is that the Reds are trying to win some this year. They're, they're not all in, but they're in, I guess is the way we put it. Uh, but and the other part is the people that you would think to trade in these circumstances are the ones who are going to be gone at the end of the year. And, and, and you're correct to point out, Doug, there's not a whole lot of value right now in those guys. R.C. Courtright asks, well, that's a good name. R.C. Courtright. Love that name. Um, he what, asked, posi- what, what position would he play? That's what I want to know. Oh, man. I, I got to say he's a loogie. He's a lefty one-out guy. See, I'm going to disagree because I feel like he's an 1885 baseball player Ooh, and loogies didn't exist then. I think that he was a very good second baseman who slid spikes up. Oh, that's what yeah. I think. Played without a glove. Yeah, yeah. I can, I can, I can buy that. Uh, he asks, what topic would you engage Joey Votto in if you had the opportunity to chat it up with him at first base during a game? There was a, a delightful story that uh, came out this week, that uh, the first delightful story ever to come out of Pittsburgh, 
But evidently, uh, at one time, the Pittsburgh Pirates lineup got together before a series with the Reds, and they came up with a list of random topics. And uh, to, to if you got to first base to talk to Joey Votto about, then you had to come back to the dugout and uh, reveal what you'd learned from from Joey Votto, because he's known far and wide for being very chatty at first base. Is there some particular topic you would uh, want to engage Joey Votto in if you had the opportunity while you're standing at first base? Without question. Why on earth does Canada sell milk in a bag? <laughs> That's a great question. I'm sure he knows the answer. And I, I want to know from an actual Canadian. I have two questions or two topics that I would like to engage Joey Votto in. The first is, first of those is, I'd want to talk uh, movies with him. Just because, I don't know, he's kind of a cerebral guy, and I bet he could turn me on to some good movies. And I, and I love movies, as you know. The other topic that I really would like to engage him in is, I'd like to get to first base and, you know, stand there and hand my uh, elbow guard over to the first base coach and, and just say to him, holy crap, Votto, what am I doing playing in a Major League Baseball game? How did I get here? <laughs> yeah, what, what, <laughs> what? sequence of events led me to the place where I'm actually standing on first base in an actual major league baseball game. Cause I bet he could have some thoughts on that. Uh, yeah. I'd be like, Hey, how do, who do I talk to about getting this uh, insurance for life stuff that I now have? <laughs> Absolutely. Like that's, that, that's what yeah, I want to know. Right. After that one day uh, in the player association. So uh good question, uh, RC. And if you got other questions uh, or other answers to the, what topic you would engage Joey Votto in, everyone needs to let us know over at twitter.com slash red radio. Last uh, viewer mail question from Patreon, then we'll hit, hit a few from uh, from Twitter.com. Kelly Buckner asks, my girlfriend of almost seven years is a diehard Cubs fan. Ooh. Should oh, I tell sorry. her this just isn't working anymore? That's his first question. <sighs> and uh, the second question is also if you could pick one player, past or present, to be on the Reds for only one year while they were in their prime, who would it be? Okay, well, the, 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 uh, those are both easy for me. Okay. Well, let's hear, let's... No, no, keep your girlfriend if you love her. That's easy. Sports are sports. Life is life. Big difference. Okay. Now, if I get to pick one red... Oh, or one player. Uh, one, one player, one year, bring them around. 1987 Eric Davis. No question. Of any player on any team ever... Oh, I thought it was any red ever. No, I think if you could pick one player, past or present, to be on the Reds for only one year while they were in their prime, oh. I think he's saying of oh. any. Yeah, goodness gracious. Well, I know who I would say. I would okay, say Mike well, Trout. From, I, from, like, from what year? Uh, this year. This year? Okay. I mean, I honestly believe Mike Trout is the greatest baseball player of all time. I'm not going to argue with you. I, I think he's going to be widely recognized as that if he remains healthy and finishes out his career. But, you know, it'd be easy to say, you know, uh, Ted Williams. You know, I'd love to have Ted Williams, you know, 19. Barry Bonds in oh, his prime. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, there, there there are some good options. Yeah. So so uh, I, I'm going to I'm going to stick with Mike Trout, though. Who's your you got to pick one. OK, well, I I would pick Mike Trout, too. But since you're not going to let me do it, um, since you already called dibs, I guess. <laughs> um, yes. I, 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 I'll take Barry Bonds in his prime. There you go. And, and Kelly, the other question, again, my girlfriend of almost seven years is a diehard Cubs fan. Should I tell her this just isn't working anymore? You know, uh, I wrote this book called The Big 50, The Men and Moments That Made the Cincinnati Reds. I co-wrote it with a guy named Chris Garber. And uh, Garber's wife is uh, one of the most delightful people I've ever met. And she is a diehard Cubs fan. And they're very happy. They've got three outstanding, amazing kids. 
and uh, Chris is fighting the fight of Cubs versus Reds fans with those kids. And uh, the Cubs resurgence in recent years isn't helping him, I don't think. But I would say that, uh, you know, that should not be the question that, uh, that that relationship hinges on because absolutely you can make it work because, like Doug said, you know, uh, baseball is just baseball. I try to, people get upset on Twitter all the time about uh, Twitter's the worst, by the way. It's just the absolute worst. But people get constantly upset about oh, well, the Reds doing this, Reds doing that. I keep thinking to myself, it's just baseball. I mean, you know, if, if you're upset about it, take a walk or you know, turn and watch something on Netflix or something. You know, so whatever. It says the guy who obsesses about him and records a podcast about them every single week. Well, that means that you've got more insight into it than a lot of other people. I guess. I guess. Yeah. All that's, right. That's my that's my story, anyways. Um. All right. A uh, few more here from uh, from Twitter dot com, and then we'll uh, we'll get out of here. We've just about uh, beat this one to death, but it's been a fun one so far. Some really good questions so far, and uh, uh, the viewer mail helps us uh, hit some topics we don't ordinarily hit. Let's see what we got here. Um, Ryan J Southworth Worth asks. Hashtag viewer mail on twitter.com. In light of the difficulty free agents have had landing jobs and how solid he has been in his career, how about the Reds offer Tanner Roark three years and $50 million? He gets overlooked, but has had a great year so far. I would pass on that because I think for three years, $50 million, you could get someone better than Tanner Roark, and that's nothing against Tanner Roark. I just think that for that kind of money, you could probably get someone a little bit younger. With better stuff, and if you put that guy with, you know, everything the Reds have been doing with their pitching staff, and I don't, I don't want to take credit away from one person, so I'm just going to say the entire group of people that are working with the pitching staff. Who knows what we could get? Yeah, you know, I, 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 I really like Tanner Roark. You know, um, I've gotten a kick out of the fact that he pitches every time they wear the throwback uniforms, and he looks perfect in those throwback uniforms. I, I think he's been fantastic. I think you're right, Ryan. He has had a great year so far. Um, and I don't really have a problem with him being around for the next three years if that worked out. Uh, I think he's a little old to be signing uh, for the rest to be looking to sign uh, guys that age to to extensions. But on the other hand, uh, he's been relatively solid for a long time and uh, relatively healthy as well. I just think $50 million is probably an overpay. Of course, it's not my money. If the Reds have a ton of money to spend, they want to throw it at Tanner Roark. I don't mind having him around. But, yeah, I think I kind of agree with, with Doug on this one. Um, all right. Uh, WVU and Reds, at David Moore underscore WV. Hi, this is David from Best Virginia. Longtime watcher. The next 13 games, he's a watcher of the podcast. The next 13 games are going to be huge. What record do we need to have in those 13 games to become buyers at the deadline? If we become buyers, who do we target? That kind of goes back to what we just talked about. I I don't know if where the Reds are in the rebuild, uh, quote unquote, where we are right now, I'm just not sure that the traditional buyer-seller model, as it's uh, thought of among fans, really applies to this team. Am, am I kind of getting across what I'm trying to say there? I'm not sure I'm, I'm saying it right. I, I feel like you are. But let, let, let me point out that the next 13 games includes eight games against Milwaukee and three games against the Cubs. So if the Reds go on a run and they do well over those those 11 specific games— I mean, they're right in the division. I mean, they'll be right there because they're coming against the two teams ahead of them or at the top of the division. So Reds wins and yeah. those teams lose. Like I, they're going to shoot up the standings, yes. Right. I, and so if if they go you know, out and they, they win, say, nine, they go nine and two, 
I mean that that's a that's a game changer versus going five and five. But uh, can thirteen games determine whether you're a buyer versus a seller? To me, they should be looking to be buyers, period. But only buyers in a certain market. You know, I don't think they should ever become a buyer for somebody that's just going to be around the rest of this year. I just don't think where they, I want them to get better players in here and I want them to try to win this year. I want them to make the playoffs this year. I have a hard time giving up much of value for somebody uh, that's going to be you know, just here for the next two months. Do I, two months of someone? I, that's, that's what I'm saying. When you think about traditional the trade deadline buying, you're talking about, you know, getting somebody for the stretch run. And I'm just not sure. I, I don't know. I guess it, it obviously depends on who they'd have to give up. They did a good job of, of acquiring talent over the offseason without giving up much. But uh, I don't know. I, I don't know that I like the term buyers as it's traditionally thought of with respect to the Reds this year. I, I'll, I'll say this much. Going one game over 500 in that stretch, that, that, that doesn't change anything versus how I feel right now, where it is buy for next year and moving forward, not for this year, because this year... As much as I would like it to be, I just don't feel like the Reds are really there right now. I just, I mean, they're they're still four games under 500, and no matter if what it actually says that they're only four and a half out of a playoff spot, they're four games under 500. They're, I mean, right now on the entire season, they're not a good team. Yeah. Now yeah. I, I think I think they're playing better than that right now, but realistically, they're going to have to be a legitimately very good team moving forward. We're talking. 10, 11, 12 games over 500 moving forward the rest of the year just to be in that mid-80s win range. And that feels tough. It's that a, feels really tough. Now, if they go out and they win 11 of 13 games, that changes everything. Because then you're a legitimate playoff contender. You're a legitimate first-place contender in the division. Uh, I, I'd still kind of, in my mind, write it off as it's a hot streak, but it also changes you know the the whole terms everything you're over 500 at that point you're probably in first or second place at that point too i i feel that at that point it's a little bit different than being three games under 500 yeah you know i guess it's yep. uh I, we both think they're a decent team uh you know i think they're a roughly 500 team just in uh, talent wise right now uh how much do you want to i don't necessarily want to use mortgage the future, but how much do you want to sacrifice at least some piece that could help you in the future for two months? So, yeah, I, I guess, yeah. And, and maybe 13 games changes that because if they do go on a big run and they are in first place or, you know, tied for first or something like that, all of a sudden you got to think, well, you know, you got to grab these chances when you get them. And here's, yeah. a, ch here's a chance, but I and, don't know. And, and let, let me toss this in here too. The, the stretch that he's talking about ends on the 4th of July. Well, that still leaves almost four entire weeks of baseball to be played until you have to really make a decision as to whether you're going to make a trade or not. That's a lot of baseball to be played. And, you know, personally, I'd like to see how the team looks when Scooter Jeanette's back and hopefully Alex Wood is and back Alex by Wood. that time. And I, that may change everything too, because one, maybe you don't feel as much need to make a trade if those guys come out performing well, or two, you know, maybe, you do feel the need to make a trade because they're, they're performing very well and you really feel good about your team at that point. Yeah, maybe the team's looking good enough that you think, well, maybe we have a real chance to uh, sneak into a uh, playoff spot. Yeah. yeah. So, again, yeah, I, I think you're right. We don't have to decide after 13 games. The Reds don't have to decide, but I don't think that there's any particular record they need to have. I just think they need to be looking to improve the team however they can. They'd have to do awfully well for the next, um, really, you know, month for me to uh, want to say, though, that they need to buy 
someone uh, for the short term. All right, some more viewer mail questions. Let me scroll down and see what else we've got here. Vander at Vander1017 asks, hash brown viewer mail, how do you feel about the Reds basically burying all mentions of Pride Night? I do not like it. Um, I know that this year they actually did mention it right before the start of the game this year, uh, but they did not really mention it before that on any sort of social media platform, which I find very disappointing. Other teams went out of their way to not only mention it on social media, but to have entire things planned around it. The Oakland Athletics had a giveaway for Pride Night. Uh, it was a <laughs> it's a fanny pack that had um, the A's logo uh, with the, the rainbow design on it that you've seen all the teams kind of do around pretty much all sports uh, over the last month or so. And... You know, they they made a big deal out of it, and the Reds basically waited until about five minutes before the game and then tweeted out something about it. Um, and so, for me, that, that was disappointing. Now, it's more than they did last year when they didn't mention it at all. But, yeah. It's a business, I, 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 it's a business decision. I, I, whether yeah, whether they're reading the market right or not, that's what that's all about. I mean, I don't think there's any question in my mind that that's, uh, you know... Um, you know, and I, I was actually out of, out of town away from, I wasn't paying it. I wasn't around that night. I wasn't watching the games, wasn't following on Twitter, anything like that. So burying all mentions, I don't know. You're, you're better equipped uh, than me to know whether that actually happened. But um, I think we, uh, we uh, sort of agree on this, Doug. But the reason for it is, to me, it's a business decision somewhere. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it is. And I don't, I mean, I, I, I just don't agree with it. But, right. you well, know, that's. That's that. I feel like that. That is why they did it. Is they didn't want to deal with the backlash that they felt they were going to get for it, whether there was actually going to be any or not. Who knows? But right. they they clearly felt that there was going to be, and so they tried to just keep it as quiet as they possibly could. Yeah, yeah. I think that's probably true. Um, so you know, I I don't know. Uh, the Reds are uh, in a lot of ways it's different than a lot of other markets, and I don't know if they got research uh, on that. Uh, that tells them uh, that guides their decisions there. I just don't know, but I'm telling you, it, it's um, it was it was a corporate decision that other teams came to a different conclusion on. I guess uh, I think that's the realistic way to look at it. So I, I guess I don't. I'm not ready to ascribe it to any kind of bigotry on the part of the Reds and the people that are running the Reds. Is that fair enough? Or Fair do you disagree? I don't know. You I mean, may disagree I, I, with me. I, I'm with you. I don't. I don't know any of those people well enough to say yeah. anything beyond that. So I just know that I feel that well, they didn't promote it for a reason. I just don't know what reason that was. Uh, Petros Wheels at Petros Wheels asks if Nick Senzel were to stay a Red for life, what are the odds that he becomes a Reds Hall of Famer? I'm going to go with very high because there aren't too many players that stay Reds for life that don't put together at least decent careers. Yeah. And if you're a Red for six or seven years and you're decent, you're getting in the Reds Hall of Fame. Yeah, if he's a Red for life, either that means he's had a, a long career and played with the Reds, in which case I think it's a 100% chance that he's a Reds Hall of Famer. Um, but if the, the other side of that is a Red for life because he got hurt tomorrow and his career was over, he was a Red for his entire career, but he's not going to be a Reds Hall of Famer. So I think it's... Under those, uh, the way you're putting that, uh, I think that it's overwhelmingly uh, 100% that he becomes a uh, Reds Hall of Famer if he were to stick around. Um, 
Hmm. Uh, another one, uh, Sean Young, we've kind of already answered your question. Should the Reds add or subtract at the deadline if they remain five games out? You know, I just don't know that – it's just hard to say. Favorite Reds moment so far this season, asks Kyle Kapler at Team Captain 8 Favorite Reds moment so far this season? Hmm. Boy, that uh, that walk-off win against the Astros uh, yesterday was right up there, huh? That, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. I, I, I think that it, at the very least that's the, the high point um, for me. Now, I, I also really enjoyed the win on opening day. Um, oh, that's great. And maybe that's just because I, we, we waited all off season for baseball and everybody's feeling great about how things were going to be looking. And they, they came out and it was a good game. Yeah. And, and then we then the next <laughs> week and a half. And yeah. Let's not talk about that. Was that was the low point, right? Yeah, that was the low point. All right. One more viewer mail question, and then we'll, uh, we'll call it uh, quits on this one. JoJo Jammer at Win One Super Bowl. At Win One Super Bowl. This is the wrong podcast. I know, but that's definitely a Bengals fan. <laughs> I, you know, I, I don't even have to look at his profile to know that's a Bengals fan. Poor uh, guy. Yeah, I know. Bless his heart. Uh, he asks, you guys have been doing a great job of keeping my faith in this team being relevant, and it now looks like they will be. These 13 games before the break will be crucial. Um, yeah, I mean, I think they're crucial. I think they'll help. But his question is, it goes away from where I thought it was going. Um, assuming Scooter starts right away, does DB surprise us with someone other than Irvin being sent down. And uh, let me just say this. I assume DB means David Bell, and I don't think that David Bell is going to be making that choice. Um, he'll have input into the choice. But assuming Scooter starts right away, does someone other than Irvin get sent down? I don't think so. I don't like it. I, I think Philip Irvin is... Uh, I like Philip Irvin. I like Philip Irvin, too. I just don't see how he doesn't get sent down in this scenario unless there's another injury between now and then. Uh, I, I send down Kyle Farmer if it's me. I don't necessarily disagree with you, but I don't think that you get to make that decision. And I think that the Reds decision makers have decided that Kyle Farmer's ability to play catcher in an emergency situation <sighs> is far more valuable than having Philip Irvin or Josh Van Meter or whoever else that 25th guy off the bench is yeah the phantom because, emergency situation that has never occurred in the history of baseball where you needed yes, your third catcher because of an injury that's, that's the one get out of town doug um I, I i am i'm going to greenville next week thank goodness uh, because i don't like your answer to that question even though you're absolutely correct frankly about the reds decision making probably i mean i don't i don't like my answer either but i think it's the right one or let me i think it's the one they're gonna make yeah the way i look at it is you know uh Farmer helps with his versatility, certainly. But the way I look at it is that you're going to have Dietrich now that can play around different places more than just strictly second base. And uh, and you've got Peraza that can play different places. Now, can any of them? I, first of all, you can't tell me that Derek Dietrich couldn't be the emergency catcher for two innings, assuming both catchers get hurt um, or are unavailable. But uh, that, that's what I never understood. If somebody gets hurt, you can't put anybody back there for one inning or two innings to finish out the game. Come on. Get somebody from Louisville the day after. It's ridiculous to waste a roster spot, especially on a team who has such limited roster spots because they're carrying 48 pitchers on the 25-man roster. And I think that's that's the bigger issue with everything is that they're playing with such a short bench because they're playing with eight or nine pitchers on a given night. Yeah. Or eight or nine bullpen pitchers. <laughs> right, right, right. So to me, I'd keep Philip Urban and uh, send Kyle Farmer down 
But uh, again, we're talking about uh, kind of the last guy on the bench, so it's not that big a decision. I think Scooter's an upgrade either way you go on that one. So, all right, uh, some good questions today on the uh, on the hash brown viewer mail. You approve of the questions, the the variety of questions we got today, Doug? I do. I also approve of the names of the people submitting the questions. Those were fantastic. I'm telling you, we got some great names, especially among these Patreon supporters, man. Love you guys. Uh, so this is uh, Red Leg Nation Radio. You all know where you can find us. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, I don't know, wherever you get your podcast, we're there. I promise, we're there. And if we're not there, you need to let me know because we'll get you there. We're Spotify everywhere. Um, I think we're going to be on uh, Amazon Alexa here soon. So you can uh, play us uh, through the Alexa app. You just set off everybody's Alexa. Oh, I know. That's right. Yes. <laughs> we are we are monsters and we are sorry. Alexa, what baseball team plays in Cincinnati? So we'll see if anybody uh, has their Alexa go off. Um, you can also uh, subscribe to us uh, through Patreon where you can support. Uh, throw a couple bucks our way if you want. You don't have to. Uh, we do love all of you that uh, do that. And we have some special goodies for those of you that are uh, supporting us at Patreon. But... Uh, this podcast is going to be here for you every week. Uh, next week, we've got kind of, I'm not going to tease it too much, but I think it's going to be a pretty special edition of the podcast coming up next week. I'm very eager for that one. Uh, RedLegNation.com, we've been talking about the Reds every single day since 2005, and it's better than ever uh, in some ways right now, uh, in most ways, in pretty, almost, pretty much every way. But uh, go check out RedLegNation.com. Check out Doug's uh, RedsMinorLeague.com as well. You will not find minor league coverage for any specific team better than this than we've got with the with Doug's uh, work on behalf of the Reds minor leagues. Uh, he's at DougDirt24 on Twitter. I'm at Dotson C. We're at RedLegRadio on Twitter.com. Doug, any final parting thoughts for us here today? Go Reds. Go Reds. Man, that is really just, uh, it, it, it makes you think. It really does. Yeah. All right, for Doug Gray and Nick Lodolo, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer.